going to open your Bibles, if you would, this morning to the sixth chapter of Matthew. In our Friday night service, a brother had commented that he was having difficulty lately with his prayers. He didn't feel his uh, prayers were going out. Maybe he felt a little uh, insufficient in himself and how he was praying. But I noticed that while he was describing his difficulties, there were heads bobbing up and down all around on the internet. Those who are joining us on the uh, Zoom and those who were in the room and I thought to myself as he was describing his situation yeah that's that's the way we all feel we we are so insufficient in how we worship our Lord aren't we I wish I was better I desire to be stronger in my worship for my Savior he deserves so much better than I can give him. So this morning, I pray that as we sing, that as the words go in the hymn, that we sing more about Jesus. We sing these words, Spirit of God, our teacher be, showing the things of Christ to me. Sweet hour of prayer. This is that time that we turn from the world around us and we speak with the heart to the one who loved us and gave himself for us that we might live with him for eternity, that we might please him as best we can do in this flesh, it's our way of speaking to Him in a personal sense. Many know of one called Christ. Many know of one called Christ. The devils know who Jesus is. Even Muslims have spoken about Jesus, the prophet in that time who was committing such wonderful miracles. But to know the Lord Jesus Christ on a personal note, on a personal sense, a personal conversation, is to know Him for eternity. Our Lord does not reveal Himself to everyone. Israel wandered in the desert for a long time. Many had heard about who Jesus was, but it was not mixed with faith. Therefore, it profited them nothing. Praying to the Lord Jesus Christ is more than just speaking words. It's a matter of the heart. It's our way of speaking to Him in a personal sense. Yes, we do have public prayer. We join together in worship and in heart and praise Him for His mercy and goodness to us. We submit our petitions for grace to our loved ones, for the healing needs, 
but our deepest communication, our time to confess our sins is that sweet moment that we speak only with our heart to him directly, our sweet time alone in the closet of our heart. Now before we dive into the text in Luke chapter 11, Christ gave us instructions twice on this subject, and I want to look at Matthew chapter 6 first. In this instance, our Lord was preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, and as part of that message, he brought out a point that we don't see in Luke. So if you're with me in Matthew chapter 6, I'd like to begin, if you would, at verse 1. In the teaching on the Mount, on the, on the Sermon on the Mount, our Lord concludes it with these words, Take heed that ye do not your alms, that means your gifts, your generosity, your love offerings to whoever, whether you're taking care of somebody or giving money to the poor or whatever it is you're doing, that you would consider a good deed, your alms, before men. To be seen of them. What? What, what Lord? What did you just say to us? What? Take heed. Beware. Beware. That you do not your alms. You're not good, good works before men. To be seen of them. You know how many people. Have you ever heard somebody come and brag to you about what they do? The, you know. I'm going down to help the poor next weekend. You, I, I give every week to my church. I went to a... You know, I have a loved one. Every time I ask this loved one, what's going on with your church today, all I ever heard was how much we help the poor. And that's not a bad thing, folks. I'm not trying to point out that helping the poor is a bad thing. God help us to help the poor as much as we can. He encourages us. He helps the poor more than any of us. He helps this poor guy who stands before you this morning in every way. He helps all of his people, and they're all poor. So go forth and be like your Savior and help the poor. But that's not the gospel to be preached in church. To go and stand before people and brag about the things that you're doing. See how good our church is? We went down to Mexico and bought a, uh, uh, an ambulance for a poor city down in Mexico. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men. This is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore when thou doest thine alms, do not sound the trumpet. begins these instructions with a warning. He gives us, he says, take heed. Now watch carefully to avoid this action. Don't let this sinful action become part of you. Shining your goodness before men is nothing but ugly pride and self-righteousness. He's teaching us that it is not enough that we avoid evil acts. We must also avoid evil attitudes. Did you know our Lord looks upon the heart? He sees everything, folks. He sees your intentions. 
our Savior is teaching us that while these Pharisees were very meticulous in observing their outward acts of worship, they were doing it to be seen and applauded of men. They weren't worshiping God in spirit and in truth. In all their religion, there was no heart worship. It was nothing more than an outward show. They had convinced themselves, though, that it was real. If that needs to be further described and to understand it, I invite you to ask our brother Mike Loveless to share with you his testimony of when he was a, a, a Seventh-day Adventist. Folks, he thought it was real. He thought his worship was true. He couldn't have been in any more darkness than in the darkness of worshiping the devil. Same thing goes for Catholicism. You ask Steve Doyle if you ever get a chance to speak to him, give him a call. He'd be happy to tell you about what it was like to worship a false god. It was nothing less than an outward show. Our Lord is teaching us the necessity of heart worship the necessity of doing what we do from an inward principle of grace. We are gracious from our heart because our Lord has been gracious to us. He's teaching us that we should do it from the heart for the glory of our God. Our Lord gives us a much needed and, and a very usually ignored warning that in all of our acts of worship and all of our devotion and all of our service to Him we must avoid seeking to be seen of men and seek only to be seen of and to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ now let's begin let's continue in verses 2 through 15 therefore he says when thou doest thine alms do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily, our Lord says to you and I, I say unto you, that they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand is doing. You know why he says that? Do you have problems with your pride? I do. It doesn't take long for John's pride to get all puffed up and say, see how good I am? Especially when my right hand sees what my left hand is doing. When thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Some, and I, I'm not going to put anyone down who does because that's not right. I'm not trying to say that at all. But when I go out to eat in a restaurant, 
I just would prefer not to. I would prefer to pray from my heart to my Lord to do it openly. All that does in my mind is bring everybody's attention to me around the tables. I'd rather do it in secret from my heart. If you're one who wants to go out to lunch with us and you want to pray at the tables, I don't, I don't hold you back from that at all. I'm just sharing with you my humble opinion. And when thou prayest, thou shalt be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corner of the streets. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to, the father, to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard, for there is much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask of him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. And from this point on, the prayer given here in Matthew is the same as Luke's. But I wanted to share with you all that point before we got to Luke. So let's turn now over to Luke chapter 11, if you would, please. Luke chapter 11. The title for my message this morning is, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. Folks, we must be taught of God. This man who stands before you can't teach you anything. I can read the Word of God before you. I can share with you with what some of the commentators are that point us to Christ, but it must be taught of God. If you hear all you hear is this man standing before you, you've missed it. God the Spirit must speak to the heart. I can't speak to the hearts. And I'm telling you here this morning, on the authority of God, if God the Spirit speaks to your heart, you will hear <laughs> Ask James about his testimony. He'll share with you how you will hear. Are you with me in Luke chapter 11? Would you read with me verse 1? Luke chapter 11, verse 1, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he had ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, Teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now, I want to stop there for just a moment because there's a couple of points I want to bring out in that very first thing. First, did you notice that the Lord was praying? God was praying to God. God in the flesh. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three very distinct persons, yet one. I don't know how to explain that to you any more than that, because God's Word says so, and it's very clear. God the Spirit, God the Father, and God the Son are but one. Three, but one. And we see here God the Son praying, praying to His Father. He is our example. He prayed often in private. He prayed to his Father without ceasing. As they are one in each other, so we are one in Christ. 
Is that not what our Lord said in what I call the Lord's Prayer in John chapter 17? Listen to these words from John 17. Our Lord is praying to the Father and He says, And the glory which Thou gavest Me, I have given them, His people, that they may be one even as we are, one with Him. If God the Father and God the Son are one, joined together in one, He's telling us that we're joined together just as they are. Just as they are. How important is that? Folks, not everybody's joined with Christ. Our Lord has loved somebody, loved a people from before the world was. If He has loved you, He has loved you before anything was ever created. In fact, this is a fact of of the scriptures, everything was created for his glory and your good. We're called God's elect, God's chosen people. Those for whom he went to the cross shall be saved. Our Lord is praying, He says, And the glory which Thou gavest Me I have given them, and they, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and Thou in Me, that they may be made perfect. We were talking about this earlier, Mike and I at the table over there. You know, it, it's a good place to be in, to feel your inadequacy in anything that you're doing, according to God's Word. That's a good place to be, but it's also a good place to be to know that you are perfect in Him. If you know that you're inadequate in this flesh, God be pleased to show you how perfect you are in Him. How holy we are in Him. He was made sin for us. He was made our sin. Each and every one of us, all of our sin, that we would be righteous in Him and in Him alone. That they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that Thou hast sent me and I have loved them and, have, and that Thou hast loved me. Prayer is a consistent, open dialogue from our heart, our soul, to our Master. And Christ, our great example, has always in thought with the Father, so should it be with you and I. That's what it's talking about when it says to pray without ceasing. Secondly, notice that the name of the disciple was not given. The commentators that I read on this point, every one of them pointed out that we all stand in the same boat on this subject of prayer. That's what I tried to purvey to their brother who spoke on Friday night. Every one of us are in the same boat. We all stand on that subject in prayer, and some may have the gift to speak in a public worship, but we all speak on the same level from our heart. Now go on with me, if you would, in the book of Luke, verses 2 through 4. And he said unto him, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. 
Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now I pray the Lord will give us enough time here to finish up uh, this morning's message. I want to begin by breaking it down a little bit. It says, Our Father, which art in heaven. You can lay your Bibles right on your laps there. We'll refer back to this scripture. I have several verses that I want to bring out for you. Uh, allow me to read those verses, and if you'd like to look at them yourselves a little deeper, I'll be happy to give you a list of these afterwards. Now, unlike some religions, we don't pray to saints that have gone on before us. We don't pray to angels. But we pray to our God, to God our Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of glory who is in heaven. Now our God and Father is the Father of all men as, his, as, a, as He is our Creator. We read in Acts chapter 17 verse 28, For in Him, in the Lord, we live and move and have our being. Because He is the God and Father of all men by creation, it is proper for all men to praise Him and to pray to Him. What do you mean by that, John? I mean that we should never, we should never um, forbid or discourage anyone from praying. That's how you call out to the Father. Granted, you won't call out to the Father until the Father has given you life to call out to Him. But I, I bid you, call out now. If you don't know who the Lord is, call out now for Him. And may God be pleased to shine His light in your heart. Never discourage anyone to pray. But God is the Father of His elect in a very special way. A distinct and special way. Listen to the words of Colossians chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile. Now we're speaking about God's elect. We're talking about those who he died for on the cross. By him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him to say whether they are be things in the earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Folks, we are the children of God by adoption, by election, by regeneration, and by faith. I ask you, do you trust the Lord Jesus Christ? If you do, then it's right for you to call God Almighty your Father. It is the Spirit of God in us, dwelling in us, that gives us the right to stand up and say, Abba, Abba Father. And it is the Lord Jesus Christ who gives us the right to come to Him, to the Father, with such prayer. We have the right and the privilege 
and the bold freedom and the confidence of faith to pray to God Almighty in heaven as He is our Father. We are in Christ Jesus one. And if our Lord Jesus Christ calls Him Father, then we have the right to call Him Father too. I tell you this in encouragement. When you go into that closet, that private time of yourself, and you're crying unto the Lord, Lord, forgive me for what I just thought. Lord, forgive me for the thoughts that I did or the actions that I did. You're going to the Creator of all things. Because you can. And He will hear you if you are His. We pray, when we pray privately in our closets or with our families, and when we pray collectively in the house, we pray as the children of God, being taught and led of God, being led by the Holy Spirit to lift up our hearts to heaven and call upon the God of glory. Nothing unites the hearts of God's people more than prayer. Calling unto our Savior. Calling unto the one who has loved us before the world was. Calling unto the one who gave himself for us out of grace. Why does that unite us so closely? Because each and every one of the children of God know that we don't deserve any bit of it. Nothing I can do can earn any of it. It is all of my Savior. Next we see the words, Hallowed be thy name. The name of God represents all of his attributes. Hallowed be thy name. Holy is thy name. You know, this is like saying to, to, to our Lord, Lord, glorify your name in all that we do. Lord, you glorify your name. I can't do any of that. But glorify your name in whatever I may be led to do by you. We sing the song this morning, uh, uh, All the way my Savior leads me. Can you sing that from your heart? Oh, I stumble often enough. And you know you do too. But thank God He allows us to stumble to see our weakness that we might see His greatness. Our Lord's rep name represents His being and all that He is. When we say, hallowed be thy name, we are simply praying like the Lord Jesus Christ did in John 12, 28. How did he pray? He said these words, Father, glorify thy name. God created the universe for his glory, all the providence and the works for his glory. We read in Romans eleven thirty six, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Everything was created for the glory of our Savior. For the good of his people, for the glory of our Savior. God's object in saving sinners was for his glory. This is what we read in Psalms 106 verse 8. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake. that he might make his mighty power be known. The object of our Lord's death was above all else the glory of his Son, the glory of God. 
It is the heart desire of every believer above all else that God's name be honored, magnified, and glory. We were talking about when you make a decision, when you decide to go right, whenever you decide to go left, whatever your decision might be. Does it glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Does it give Him glory? Ask yourself that question. It will help you make every decision you make from here on. And you know the answer to it when you ask the question. Does this glorify my Lord? You'll know it. Our Lord teaches us to pray. He says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Next we see the words, the phrase, Thy kingdom come. Now our first concern is this. It must be for the glory of God himself. And our second concern is for the kingdom of God. Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40, we read these words. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, but this is what comes next, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, this is the first great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Did you catch that? The first is to glorify the Lord, magnify his name, Love him with all your heart. But here comes the second one. Here comes our second concern. Thou shalt love thy neighbor. <laughs> Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, is what our Lord said. We seek in all of our prayers that the Lord God would be pleased to establish and enlarge his church. We've been praying some of you, I don't know if all of you have heard about it, but there's a church, a group of people who left another group of people over in the Bay Area and have started a service in a church of their own in the backyard. And I'm, like, I'm going to ask you to pray for this group. Earnestly pray that the Lord's Word would be going forth in the Bay Area. I don't know of any other gospel preaching churches over there. But I know there's one preacher over there who is preaching the gospel. I've heard him preach three messages now, and I plan to listen to more. His name is Chuck Kabbalah, over in San Mateo. And they're meeting in his backyard, praying for the church, praying for the Word of God to flourish forth where we know there is no other. I pray for the saints in San Diego all the time. I love those saints down there. I've got a chance to meet many of them and come to know them and to know their love for Christ and His gospel, His free and sovereign grace. We pray for the furtherance of our Lord's Word. We pray for His kingdom come. Next we see that it says in the next phrase we see is, Thy will be done as in heaven so in earth. You see, a prayer is not just us trying to get God to do our will. Folks, we don't change God's purpose. Many of people think that if we can get thousands of people to pray about something, God will change His mind on something. That does not happen. Us praying for His will to be done is that His will should be done. Whatever happens, Lord, I pray that it is Your will. Guess what? It is. 
Our sovereign God rules over everything. Nothing happens outside of His purpose. And that makes me very happy. Because if it wasn't for that, John Reeves would be off doing whatever he was doing before still. John's will would lead him right down the path to the path of destruction. And every one of your free will would do the same thing. Our prayer is not trying to get God to do our real will. It is rather is it a it is a voluntary leaving of our will behind and seeking His will in everything. J.C. Ryle wrote this. He says, "Our truest happiness is perfect submission to God's will." What do you mean by that, John? Well. How can I have peace with all the stuff going on in the world today? Brother Bill came in this morning and says, Oh, I made the mistake of turning the news on today. <laughs> Is there anybody that feels like that in the here? Yes. Everybody's hands going up and down. Yeah. Yeah. How can I have peace with what's going on in the world around us? When people are turning lies into truth. They're saying lies are truth, and they're saying the truth is a lie. And you can apply that to a whole bunch of stuff going on in the world. How can I have peace with that? I'll tell you how. My Lord's will be done. Plain and simple. Submitting ourselves to the will of God. Was 9-11 a tragic situation? Absolutely. All those lost lives... I'm sorry, folks, but God's will be done. We want to obey our Lord's revealed will. We want men and women everywhere to surrender to and obey God's revealed will. But here our Lord is teaching us to sincerely and heartily surrender everything to and earnestly desire that God's will be done in this world exactly as it is in heaven. even knowing that it always is. The fact is, we simply don't know what to pray for as we ought to. That's what we read in Romans 8.26. Most of our prayers are accurately described by James in James chapter 4, verse 3, where he says, Ye ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. Lord, if I could just have a new car. You ever done that? Maybe not for a new car, but this or that. Lord, if it's your will. Kathy and I didn't know where we were going to get a car when the Kia blew up the transmission in it. They're saying there's none in the United States or anywhere that we can get. Lord, if thy will be done. And he gave us a car. The fact is, folks, we simply don't pray as we ought to. In all that we have seen thus far, the concern for true prayer is altogether spiritual. Our Lord Jesus teaches us to pray for the glory of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
the people of God and the will of God. He teaches us to submit all other matters to those greater, far more important matters. And next that we ought to be taught is to bring our needs of the flesh before Him. Lord, I need food. Lord, I need that car. Lord, if it be Your will, could we have something to eat today? You know, Israel prayed out that quite a bit. And guess what the Lord did? The Lord gave him manna from heaven, a picture of his son. Jesus Christ is that manna from heaven. And it wasn't long before almost all of them turned and said, take this manna from me, I detest it. I'm tired of it. I've had enough. Our Lord says next, He says, Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins. Folks, we must especially remember this one. When you go to that closet, it says in the Scriptures that we should confess Him as Lord and confess our sins and we shall be saved. He shall forgive us. Do you confess your sins? To confess our sins is to confess before our Savior what we truly are. It's to be in a consistent state of the one who sits over in the corner, pounding on his chest, saying, Lord, have mercy on me. And guess what? He gives us mercy. So much mercy that we'll spend an eternity in heaven with him. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation. Now, now, as long as we're in this world, we are liable to temptation, are we not? As long as we are in this body of flesh, we may be drawn away from our own lusts, by our own lusts, and enticed by our own nature, tempted and overcome by the snare of Satan. Here our Savior is saying to us, you need to be constantly aware of your weakness. That's why I keep reminding us about the man over in the corner pounding on his chest for mercy. Don't be like the one who stands up and says, don't make me like this. Proud of yourself. That's when you're most likely to fall into the temptations that come about us in this world. Lead us not into temptation. You need to be constantly aware of your weakness. Be aware of Satan's strength. You need to be constantly aware of your helplessness so that you will constantly what? What's the guy over in the corner doing? The one pounding on his chest. He's looking to Jesus. When you go to make a decision to turn one way or the other, you look to Christ first. I need to do that. Just as every one of God's people do. Turn to Christ. More about Jesus would I know. More of His grace to others show. Spirit of God, my teacher, be the things of Christ to me. Then it says, but deliver us from evil. J.C. Ryle wrote these words. He says, we include under the word evil everything that can hurt us either in body or soul. Especially every weapon that the great author of evil could use against us, the devil. 
We confess that ever since the fall of the world lieth in the wicked one. Listen to the words of John chapter 5 verse 19. And we know that we are of God and the whole earth or the whole world lieth in wickedness. We confess that evil is in us. We confess that evil is about us, near us, and on every side of us. That we have no power to deliver ourselves from it. We call out the strong one for his strength. We cast ourselves on him as our protection. Or in short, we ask our Savior himself as he asked for us when he said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them from the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. Our Lord Jesus prayed those words himself for us. We should be praying that for us also. Lord, keep me from my temptations. Folks, if you don't cry upon the Lord to help you, He's going to let you stumble in it. I didn't say fall. God went to the cross and shed His blood for you. You cannot fall. You have been perfectly saved. You will be in heaven with Him forever and ever. His blood is effectual. His death accomplished what it was purposed for. And to prove that, He arose again and sits on His throne today. Working everything out that's going on right now according to His purpose for our good. Let us ever pray that God our Father may be unceasing in His abundant grace towards us. Deliver us from evil. From the evil that is in the world, the evil that is in our hearts, the evil of one who seeks to destroy us, and from all evil that is a result of sin. Blessed is His name, our loving God shall deliver us from that evil. Listen to the words of Jude, chapter 1, verse 24 and 25. Here's the guarantee. Here's the promise. Now unto Him, unto the Lord Jesus Christ that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. Whew. I want you to turn over to uh, Hebrews chapter 16, or chapter 4 for just a moment. Hebrews chapter 4. A final thought. True prayer is a recognition and an admission of the Lord as sovereign in all matters. You want to praise and worship your Lord? Pray to Him. You can't worship any better than that. Going to our Lord in personal prayer with the heart is true admission true recognition of the Lord as sovereign in all matters. Every detail, every dot, and the chosen blood bought children of God lean on Him. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly. If Christ has died for you, paid for your sins, come boldly. Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may continue 
consistently obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. Amen? Amen. Leaning on the everlasting arms. That's what prayer is. Prayer is getting down on your hands and knees in prayer in private and laying everything, every weakness, every need. Are you weak and weary this day? Are you heavy laden with the flesh that you walk in? Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Take his yoke upon you, for his yoke is light and easy. Amen. Stand with me if you would and turn to page 354. Leaning on the everlasting arms, 354.